Hi, I'm Bill Brio. Welcome to Brio.tv, the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hollywood Sweet. Hollywood Sweet, the best movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. All those great movies you loved watching, they're at Hollywood Sweet. Hi there, uh, I'm Don Ferguson, and I'm happy to be here on uh, Brio.tv, the podcast. And um, we're trying to think of a new name for the show because we're not sure that Brio.tv, the podcast, is the most memorable. Uh, Brio.tv, the podcast, doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I like uh, Billy B. TV. I mean, Bill B. Billy B. TV. That's pretty good. Um, I also like your morning brew. Now, he's going to have to change the way he spells his name. But, you know, most people can't spell it anyway, so what the hell. Uh, but that's not a bad name. Um, uh, you could just call it the TV podcast, but I think putting Bill's name on it somehow makes it personal because it's really all about Bill and the guests he brings in. Um, it could be... Uh, I'm, I'm still going back to Billy B. TV. Hi, everybody. Bill Brio here. Thanks for listening in. And if you recognize that uh, theme song, that, of course, is the theme to the Royal Canadian Air Force, a Canadian tradition for many decades, really, on radio and television in Canada. It's my great pleasure today to have as my guest one of the founding members of the Air Force, Mr. Don Ferguson. Don, thank you so much for coming in. Well, it's a pleasure. It really is. uh, I've enjoyed talking to you over the years, and I'm looking forward to this chat, too. Well, me too. And (laughs) and I'm trying to think, when did we first meet? I, I think it was back, I was at TV Guide, um, people remember the little TV magazine. That's right. Remember, that used to be the biggest selling magazine in the world. It was, then I, st- I started on the staff, and yeah. then things went downhill. Uh, but, <laughs> That's but, right. They but, hired you. Yeah. Big mistake. Uh, no, you're right. 25 million people bought that thing every, every week in yeah. the States and yeah. in Canada, and it was around 2 million here, went down to, you know, it just, at one point, there became so many TV channels, they would, there's not enough trees and forests to cut down <laughs> to, right. to provide the space, right? Because they had all all the listings in there, but um, my memory is that I got an assignment to uh, come and interview you guys mm-hmm. to do a story, and we did a great cover shoot of everybody. You and this is back when it was the four members: John right. Morgan, of course, That's right. Roger Abbott, and uh, Lou Begoy and yourself. Yeah. Um, and um, I think I was interviewing about your favorite films or something like this. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. I, I remember the cover shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you guys shot. used it later. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Promotion. yeah. One of my favorite photos that uh, we ever did as a group. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that was TV Guide back when uh, magazines had money to get the right photographer, right? And there were magazines. <laughs> well, tell me about it. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, uh, let's talk right away about uh, what's in front of us here, and that is the uh, special that's coming up on December 30th. That's right. That's right. It's the annual Air Force New Year's Eve special on December 30th, the day before. I know. I know. So who was the genius at CBC who decided this was a good landing place for the Air Force? I have no idea. I'm glad I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, a warning to listeners, then. If you're sitting comfortably for your traditional Air Force New Year's Eve, get there a day early, 24 hours early. Is it 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, yes. 8 o'clock on CBC and streaming on CBC Gem. Ah, they're all gems, though, aren't they? (laughs) Yes. Uh, You can join the millions of people on Gem. 
I'm sure. Uh, anyway, no, but uh, we're we're joking. But uh, it's it's pretty exciting tradition. And, and and in terms of CBC radio and television, how many years has it been altogether? Yeah, it's been uh, forty six. My goodness, forty six years. Yeah, and, we, and, we started on December the ninth, nineteen seventy three, on CBC Radio. Wow, I, I remember. Uh, you know, in in in, I don't want to uh, age you, Don, but I was in high school at seventy three, <laughs> and, and I was uh, uh, would listen to the radio broadcasts and riveted to them, and and just what what came through so. Um, uh, loud and clear was just how much fun the audience was having. Yes, the laughter yeah. that people yeah. were just and you guys would go from city to city in Canada, right? Uh, literally the Arctic to St. John's, yep. uh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk a bit about that because uh, it was so much fun to listen to those shows. Well, it was a great experience doing it, and it, it came about by accident. You know, um, CBC has a long and varied history. Uh, of the way it deals with its uh, its shows, with its successes, and also with the the people on it, you know, the, the, with the right. talent, they're not not highly skilled uh, at at this. The broadcast executives you're uh, talking about? Yes, yes. they're not highly skilled ah, because they. I, I, yeah, well, my my belief is that they spend so much time in meetings right. with each other, they don't have time to either listen or watch what they're doing. Right. So it's just it exists on paper, you know, right. it's in memos. But anyway, the we yeah, we were had been on the on the air for a number of years and um uh, we were working on in, on Parliament Street in Toronto, which has, was an old theater, uh, which CBC had used as a as a oh, studio. I remember, yeah, yeah the Parliament mm-hmm. Street Studios. Yeah. And um, the we had noticed over the years as we came in that first of all the two side aisles got taken over by office spaces. They were kind of like uh, platforms for people right. who uh, had desks there. Um, and so the, gradually we lost the sides, and then we had the the the, uh, the the big large center aisle. And then one year after the summer break, we came back in the fall, and the the stage had been turned into a podium for it because they used to do the, the morning show and the local morning show right. and afternoon show that had been turned into a, a podium for those people. Right. Which I understand they needed you know sure. a, a decent place to work, but they didn't tell us. Right. So we showed up a few days before we our first taping, and we go in there with the CBC crew, and they're looking around and saying, well. Where are you guys going to perform? Because the stage is now a big uh, broadcast point with a you know the desk and the canopy over it and the the round table right. with the microphones at it, and they had big electrical um, service boxes mounted through the stage, uh, on uh, so we were tripping right. over them, and. Uh, we realized that uh, there was no way we could perform here. So we, we did one show because we had to, and then we did a second taping because we had no place else. And then somebody called me from Vancouver, a woman who was with the Boys and Girls Club of Vancouver, and she said, is there any chance the Airfires could come and perform in Vancouver? And I said, well, no. I mean, I don't see how that's possible. But tell, let's talk about it. So she said, well, da-da-da-da. And she thought, well, maybe CBC would pay to ship us out there because, you know, it was a public broadcaster. Right. And they were a, they sure. were a charity and mm-hmm. worthy. Well, we worked out this deal where we would, we would go into a much bigger theater than she had planned on, which was the... Uh, Princess Margaret or something. It's a big, I can't really yeah. remember, it's a big theater. Or maybe the Orpheum in, in Vancouver. And we would we would use ticket sales. We would sell tickets to the public. They would raise money. We would we would take off the top the money to pay for us to get out there. And that's how we would, we, would, we paid for our trip out to Vancouver. Oh, my goodness. Wow. By, by ticket sales to our taping. Nice. 
And uh, it worked. And we said, hmm, maybe this is the future. So after that, we started, we, we, we organized this into the way we did business. So we stopped doing tapings at all in Toronto at CBC. Right. And we did them all on the road. We, we did them for charities. Uh, it was generally either health or arts organizations wow. that weren't national charities. Like, we didn't do them for United Way. We didn't do them for Canadian Cancer right. Fund. But we did them for, for a local theater regional, company, regional yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. and regional hospitals. Mm-hmm. And we ended up playing the biggest... Um, Venues in every city we were in. So we we played in we played in, uh, in we did it in Winnipeg. We did in like in Alberta. We played the Jubilee Auditoriums. There's wow. one in Calgary and one in Edmonton. They seat about twenty two hundred or twenty five hundred wow. people. We would sell the place out. In Ottawa, the big art center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played we played the opera at the art center, oh which is God. like twenty six hundred people. Wow. And I remember uh, there was a. Uh, Bill Armstrong, uh, who was an executive vice president of CBC, and was a, a, a real fan of us, and uh, he had uh, and a real fan of radio. Right. We went up. We we did our first uh, first taping there at, at, the, at the art center. It was sold out. We had Mike Duffy as a guest. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> when we when we, it was great. And Mike is terrific. This is the former senator and yes, uh, yeah. CBC personality. Yeah, he CCV. was. Yeah, well, he was a CBC reporter at the right, time. Right. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we do the show and we finish it. And Bill comes backstage and he sees me and he goes, "Don, Don," he says, "This is great." The uh, um, the, the, the opera, the National Arts Center, $25 a ticket, sold out for a fucking radio show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He was ecstatic, well, you know, like, because he, hey, it was like, he, he had a good point. I yeah. mean, you know, you guys turned this into a business opportunity, didn't you? you know, I guess we did, you know, yeah. Well, why aren't we doing a podcast in front of 2000? Like, <laughs> well, it's exactly. an hour ahead or something. Well, you know, something, that's what I, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing stuff in front of live audiences. Right. Um, I've, I've told CBC executives over the years that they should do the um, uh, their local shows in front of a live audience. Right. Yeah. They should put them. They should use a put them in a, you know in a theater. Have people come in and they can be. Part, yeah. And I think the show would be much better. Well, speaking of which, your your new special. This is the uh, one that's airing on the thirtieth. Uh, is from what I understand the first time that you guys have performed without a studio audience. That's right. What? How did that come about? Well, it came about because we have no money. Our, bu- <laughs> our budget. We have. Uh, we the CBC has decided to redirect their funds, and they're right. not, they're not spending money uh, on our kind of show anymore. Right, and so we uh, they we managed to, with their cooperation to come up with a budget that was fifteen percent of what we have had in previous years. Wow! So there's not a lot you can do with fifteen percent of your budget. And they were asking you with this show now not just to do a, your usual satire on the year's news, but to also do a a special tribute to the history of the Air Force. Right? Well, I think what they were really expecting is that we would do a, a clip show, mm-hmm. just a, a bunch of best ofs. Right. You know, we take a whole bunch of sketches and just run them and say that's it. So long right and i suppose that po- the, that possibility still exists because that's not what we did <laughs> <laughs> well god bless you that's great news so what did you do what we did was we tried to make it uh, a mix uh, we figure we've always lived in the present yeah you know, we don't I look know. back when characters disappear they're gone yeah we invent new ones and uh, so we wanted to do a show that was as contemporary as possible. Yeah. So I play a character, I have played a character in the past called Franklin W. Armstrong. Yes. He's really not much of a character. He's a newscaster. He's Lloyd Robertson's That's uh, right. colleague. That's right. Yes, yes. I used to call him Lloyd Jr. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, but the, uh, and I, I got to say, I, I love Lloyd. He's, he's been yeah. a, he's, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. and uh, He's a tremendous guy. Isn't yeah, he? he really he's is. fantastic. Yeah. What, I once, uh, CTV sent a, 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 a limo to pick me up for some to go to the agent court to 
to do something in their studio. And uh, the, the driver had just driven Lloyd somewhere. Right. And the driver goes, oh, by the way, I have a message for you. And he turns on the screen on the set, and it's Lloyd right. going, Bill, it's good to see you in the car. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, I felt so special. You know, Lloyd Robertson called me out. So, cool guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Anyway, the um, where, where were we? Oh, talking about the show. Yeah, right. so well, I wanted to make this contemporary as possible. Yeah. So, that's, so Franklin W. Armstrong, who used to do this segment in the show, we yeah. now kind of built the show around that. Oh, good. So, it's like, that's the thread. So, every act... We do a little bit of uh, Franklin doing the, the news of the year, because that's right. what he always did, look, yeah. looking back on the highlights of the year. The headlines. Yeah. So we do that. So we keep that contemporary thing. So we're doing jokes that, about, that, are, that we normally would do in, a, in, a, in our special. And we had um, our uh, cast play different people. So like uh, Isabel Canaan plays uh, Marie Kondo. Right. So, and, and so we do a, an interview with her. Yeah. And uh, she also plays um, uh, uh, Princess... Uh, Megan, I call her, you know, whatever. Yeah, she's oh, from the royal family, family the, yeah, where she right of the and we Harry, have yeah. we have her in a uh, in a, um, uh, a a phone call uh, with the the queen. Oh, nice. Chatting Who is played by Lou Luba. McCoy, yeah. of course. Yeah. So we sort of got all the contemporary nice. characters in, but we did it in this very economical way. So they're basically looking straight into the camera and talking. We don't do a lot of uh, you know uh, exchanges, right? You know, like where people are having a conversation in the same room, right? So we we structured it so that they have to look at the camera. And we have, uh, you know, Craig Lozard does a great job of uh, Alberta Premier uh, Kenny. Oh, yes. Um, and, but, you know, so we, we, so we did that. So that's how we get all the contemporary stuff in. And then every so often we'd play a favorite from years past. Oh, nice. You know, so we, because when we started the show, the idea was to make it contemporary, to make it a, a look back at some of our favorite stuff, because we couldn't afford to do any of these farce films that we normally do. Right. We couldn't. Yeah. So we said, well, we'll use some we've already used. That right. Maybe, usually they've only been seen once. Right. You know, um, and uh, I wanted a chance to say goodbye to the audience and thank did, you. So did you do the farce film with Trudeau singing "Sorry" that from uh, last yeah, year? That's yeah. a very funny one. Yes, yes, we the, did that. Yeah. We had to take a little bit out of it because of, there was a uh, there was a one verse that really dated it to, oh, to okay. last year. Got it. So he said, "Okay, well," and luckily we were able to make the musical edit. Nice. But we did that. We did uh, we did a few years ago. We did one called when 2016. Or, we did one uh, Canada Land, which is based on La La Land. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, I remember it was a great dance song yep. and dance number. That's, that. that's right. So that, we. Uh, who, now, who who were the two performers? That, it's a, Jessica? Je- Jessica and Chris Wilson. Right, they were yeah. great. Jessica yeah. Holmes and Chris Wilson. Yeah. So we did that. We did another. We did another one that has Craig Lozon with a guest. We had um, um, what's his name? Oh God, I just it, 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 uh, well, well, the wrestler, the wrestler. Oh, uh, 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 Sweet Daddy Seeky. No, no, it, it'll, uh, <laughs> Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. It's one. hilarious. It's like yeah. the Twelve Days of Christmas, but it's like the Twelve Wrestling Holds that's of Christmas. A funny, funny. Skit. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. We were looking at it. And said, oh, we got to put this in. We just have to. Now, you know, again, you're asked, being asked to do this with 15% of the budget. <laughs> yes. So it's remarkable that you've done this. But uh, or did you have access to the tickle trunk full of props and, and flats? And, uh, you know, were well, you able to well, pull we, stuff? There, there are no sets. We did. We shot it all in a, a green screen. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, because we couldn't afford any sets. Good for you. <laughs> but what so, about the wigs and makeup? Did now, you have people back no, to help? We, well, yeah. Uh, we did have. And we've over, over the years, we've owned all this stuff. Okay. These wigs and things are all ours. Okay. So we have a tickle trunk that is the size of this room wow. filled with, we have, must have over a thousand wigs in it easily, maybe yeah. 1,200 wigs. And uh, the problem is sorting through them because, right. you know, when you do it once a year, you just throw them in the box and then next year you say, we're doing some, this character and you go, 
Oh, what wig? Where would that wig be? What box would this? So the wigs are filed, you know, like like long red hair, long blonde hair, <laughs> curly hair, you know, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and we have racks and racks of, of of wardrobe. Over the years, we've got rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and this this past year, we had to get rid of uh, some of our uh, treasures that we'd held on to for oh, a long. Oh my goodness! Really? Well, because we just you know we, we, yeah. what we what we have done in the past is we store them. We rent a one of those. Uh, how long? Warehouse it, places? No, just a, a tractor trailer. Oh. We fit the trailer, fill it full of stuff, drive it up to Barrie and park it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> just somewhere in Barrie. Well, it, well there's mall, a, it's, it's in a lot. It's, it's, it's <laughs> okay. in a lot. And it just sits there. Wow. And then, and then in the, uh, when it comes time to do the show, we haul it down to Toronto and open it up and take stuff out. And we reuse the, uh, the flats every year. Like this one, like rather than throw out. You know, yeah, plywood sure. or something. We just say bring it back, and we'll we and we repurpose it. Do you still have the donut shop stored somewhere? No, the donut shop is now gone, and uh, even the chicken cannon is now gone. Oh my goodness, gone to the great beyond. But you're more into the F bomb now. The anyway. yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Is there an F bomb on the uh, new show? Well, we couldn't afford to do an F bomb, oh so but we so we did something a bit different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the uh, I, I suppose I does it the MF bomb? Maybe. No, 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 no. Well, actually, it is in a way. Oh, okay. What we did is we we uh, we did a, a, a brief highlight, kind of of, the, of what it had looked like in the past. The F bomb, you yeah. know, with the stuff coming down and splatting on some targets. Right. And uh, this year we named our targets of the year. They were the sort of the the people we don't like, the despots of the world. You know, okay. Putin and Xi Jinping and the Bolsonaro Ford. and Brazil and, and when well, we did. <laughs> mention him but we mentioned donald trump you know okay. who's kind of like ford is kind of trump light if anything right anyway we had we had like five people and uh, we had the target set up and then luba pressed the button oh nice uh, but what happened is we then cut to a shot of the atomic bomb destroying oh lovely dr strange love yeah. and she we hear her saying um, I think that was the wrong button. And then I say, well, it doesn't matter. It's our last show. That's how the show ends. It sounds like you're running the risk of, of making a better show for less money. This is not the smart move. You know? I know, I know. You should have done a very shoddy show. Well, you know, and I, and I, we've talked about this. I've had the great privilege. And my son, Dan, when mm-hmm. he was a youngster especially, we would go down and go to tapings <clears throat> right. when you were on every week on right. CBC for 16 seasons. Yeah, yeah. And we started then and went to the end. And to sit in those bleachers and watch that show on the top floor, the studio, Air Force studio? or what well, it yeah, well, supposedly. I think it's Studio 42, I think is what we're Okay. Right, yeah. It's being renamed the Family Feud Studio, by the way. I just saw <laughs> yeah, that. So I understand. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, but, but what a thrill. Because there's, what, 300 people in those bleachers? Yeah, we could get that many in. Yeah. And, and these folks come from all over. The U.S. Yeah. And, and different provinces, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, we, and like, um, last year, like, especially when we were only doing one a year, it became very competitive to get tickets. Yeah. yeah. Last year, I met a lovely couple. Uh, the uh, from uh, Regina, who had flown in, they had promised themselves that they wanted to see the Air Force show, yeah. and uh, they flew in. It was last year, or the year before. A young couple, I think, the, as I recall, the fellow is in municipal politics there. I can't, really? I can't remember his name, but wow. they were they were lovely people, just yeah. lovely. And this was a special trip that they had wanted to do. And I thought, 
you know, it's it's good to be reminded uh, every so often that there are people out there that you matter to people. Yes, you know that they care enough that they will make an effort. Yeah, and make a, a thing about it. You know, this oh my is, goodness, it's part of people's lives. My yeah. neighbors, Doug and Roberta. Could you tell the CBC that, by the way? Uh, I'll because, mention because it to they, them. Yeah. They, they, they should know this. And I have a lot of weight there, Doug. As you know. <laughs> but I'll bring it up. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, no, no. My Doug and Roberta, uh, they we would so look forward to it. Doug. There was rain, snow, sleet, or hail. We get yeah. Doug's four wheeler. We'd go down there, and um, my goodness, you guys always treated everybody so well. Your names would be up on the mm-hmm. monitors, right, right. And, and the experience of sitting there and seeing your show uh, it was um, nostalgic in a way, if you yes. know what I mean. Because yeah, yeah. this would have been something you could have done in the fifties if you went to see your show of shows or the Ed mm-hmm. Sullivan show, or yeah. that that experience of being at a live performance that was really electric and, mm-hmm. and the performances are right there. Um, it's it's uh, not something that you encounter almost at all in Canada a- no. anymore. No. It's sad that that might not be happening. Um, but uh, it was something, too, that, again, my son could enjoy. You, you guys appealed to uh, all ages and yeah. all regions of the country. Mm-hmm. And we've had this discussion, too, that this was a purposeful thing that you uh, you learn from traveling from province to province, not just to aim jokes at uh, Toronto. That, absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I grew up <clears throat> listening to, uh, or watching, actually, CBC television, and Wayne and Schuster, who were, who were right. fabulous, yes. but they would do jokes about, you know, um, <clears throat> Bathurst and St. Clair. Right. And I would have, yeah, and I would have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and, it, and it was kind of annoying, even right. as a kid. Yeah. Listening, I would think, oh, I'm, I'm not in on the joke. Right. Yeah. And then when we did, so when we did radio, we were touring. Yeah. We took enormous delight in uh, writing material that the audience would understand nationally. We always make yeah. sure that, but they were they were local jokes about Regina or right, about right. Whitehorse. Moose Jaw. Yeah, Moose yeah, Jaw. Yeah. And, the, you know, they were jokes that you had to be kind of in Moose Jaw to appreciate right, what right. the joke was about. <clears throat> but the, we always constructed the joke in such a way that if you were listening in Nova Scotia or whatever, right. you would get the joke. You right. wouldn't laugh as much right. because it wasn't affecting your life the way it was. Right. But we were always made a point to be extremely inclusive. And here's what you got listening in was when that giant laugh came from Moose Jaw from the studio audience, right. you understood that it was a local throw. That's right. And it made it a little bit uh, more delicious. You yeah, know, yeah. You no kind matter of, where you were from. Yeah, you kind of felt like, okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brought you but, into but it. But I got to tell you one thing that happened once. John Morgan, we had been in Whitehorse, and we came back uh, you know, uh, to uh, Toronto. And John Morgan uh, had a neighbor on his street who stopped him a, a week later and said, you know, I love that show you did, uh, the White Horse show. Yeah. It, it, it actually sounded like you were there. <laughs> <laughs> he thought we were doing all these shows That's funny. in Toronto. <laughs> See, that's a brilliant idea. You could just say you were in all these I know, places. I know. <laughs> you could have saved while well, you didn't yeah. give the money to charity then. But he, can you that's, imagine? He said it actually sounded wow. like you were there. <laughs> We were there, you know. We, well, the eight like of us flew all that way. We're, we're doing this here at the Humble and Fred Radio uh, Studio, uh, and it's a sumptuous studio. It is. Way. It is it's sumptuous and luxury. And, you know, this week we're in uh, Montreal, and of course next week we'll be in uh, Alaska. So and it's Phil's it's, coming with us. Phil is. Phil's the producer's got it all set up. Thanks, Phil. Um, anyway, uh, uh, those are great, great memories. So we're going to take a, a short break for a commercial message, and we'll come right back and talk a little commercial more. Yes. Okay. Stay tuned. Wow. 
Well, the Hollywood sweet programming elves have been working all year to craft the fun, binge-worthy nights that will help melt away your holiday stress. You've heard of Hollywood sweet. They've got the best movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, all uncut and in high definition. And look at some of the movies they got coming up. We've got an X-Men uh, marathon, six films back-to-back. X-Men was the original 2000 version, on and on and on, Wolverine, all those guys. You also, because you really like her, they've got Sally Field at a double bill, Norma Ray, Smokey and the Bandit. Is three-year limit on Schnitzengruben. Watch Mel Brooks' triple header with Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, and Young Frankenstein. These are just some of the high-definition, uncut films you can get now at Hollywood Suite. Hollywood Suite, it's all Canadian and basically costs you but a latte to, to watch this for a month. It's a great buy. Okay, the break's over. Did it, uh, you're back from the washroom, Don. Thanks for yeah, it was, making it was that quick. Just, it was just, the break was a little too short to finish what I was doing was in the washroom, it? but it's okay. You feel refreshed, though. I do, I okay, do. Okay, good. Do. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of non-related Air Force questions sure. here, just because uh, we're trying to figure this uh, podcast thing out, of course. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. you again so much for yeah, helping me pleasure. kick this off. Um, even the name. Now, and you guys went through a few name changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't always the Royal Canadian Air Force. No, no, uh, no. Before that, the Jest Society? The Jest Society, and right. just explain to people how that name came about. Well, that name came about because at the time, the the current prime minister's pop right. was running the country. Pierre? Pierre, yes. Yeah. Pierre Trudeau. And he had a uh, a slogan, I think, in 19... Oh, God, was it? I can't remember. It was around that time, anyway. It was early. 68. Was it the justice minister? And he, and he called it the, the Just Society. Yeah. We will have a, we will have a just society. Yeah. And this is when, you know, no, uh, the, the, the state does not belong in the bedrooms of the nation. Right. And this kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's, so, so we thought, well, the Just Society, the Just Society. And, right. And when we started doing the show, in a way, that was kind of the, the real genesis of Air Force too, or certainly very important for what Air Force became, is that we used to do the show in front of a live audience, yeah. theme in my life, live audience, and we, it was improvised. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the, at the end of the first act, we would ask the audience what they wanted to see in the second act. Right. The, the first act was made up of stuff we'd already improvised and brought into the show. Right. And then, but we ended up saying, what do you, what, and people would shout out stuff. And what they always shouted out was stuff that was in the news. Right. You know, yeah. they wanted to know about this or about that or whatever. Yeah. And so we'd make notes and we'd go backstage for uh, 25 minutes because we took a long break because we had to figure out the second act. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, oh, and, wow. and also gave them time to have an extra drink, which right. was great. Oh, made yeah. the second act Always funnier. thinking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, would, we would sit in the dressing room or stand in the dressing room, uh, four or five of us, and we would say, okay, who's got ideas? And somebody would say, how about we do this? How about we do that? What about this? Yeah. What about the characters? And, and then we'd say, how do we end it? And all we needed was the, the what we called the blow line, the end line. Right. And our, our lighting guy was in the, it was backstage with us in our dressing room. And he would make a note about the line. Because that's he knew when to turn out the lights. Right. Because the sketch was over, turn out the lights. Smart. And so the idea was we knew when we went out who we were, who we were supposed to be, what the basic structure of the sketch was, how it was going to end. And the idea was... How long could you stretch it out before and get laughs right. before you had to end it? So right. that and we we would do that. So, that, um, and so we were always doing contemporary material in front of a live audience. Yeah, fantastic. And what we did, I mean, even right up till now, it's contemporary material. Yeah, in front of a live audience. Yeah, yeah. That's what we did. Did he ever? 
pull the lights down too quick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what did you do? We'd say, we're not finished yet. He <laughs> <laughs> would turn the lights back up. <laughs> There's a famous line about some comedian who finally got his break on, like, The Tonight Show, and the cue was, uh, thank you very much. And uh, that was how his, his set ended. And uh, I wish I could remember the name of the person, but um, early, he told his first joke, and people laughed. He said, thank you very much. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was played off, you know. Um, I, don't th- I think that's a real story. Yeah, I can um, believe it. Now, uh, Justin, uh, we talked about the Jess Society. And I think it was Trudeau Pierre who said uh, there's no place for grease paint in the bedrooms of the nation. Too, <laughs> there's no, no, there's no Just, place for grease paint on the faces of the prime minister right, of the nation. Right, something like that. Uh, was there other names as well before Just? Uh, well, we, the, the, uh, when it came time to do the radio show, we didn't want – the, the Jess Society was a, a partnership of, with uh, – had been formed with John Morgan and his business and creative partner, a guy named Martin Bronstein. Right. And Martin wanted to, to, didn't like the way air, or the way the Jess Society was going because we were getting laughs, and he wanted to do satire. Oh. So he, the deal was he kept the name Jess Society, went off and did satire. And you know what they say about satire? Or dies Wednesday, on a Saturday. Or, or dies on Wednesday night or something. Right, yeah, yeah. That's what happened to that. Right. <laughs> it didn't last long. It just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> He made he made his political points, but he didn't right. have an audience anymore. Yeah. Uh, and we kept going. We hit in a new name. And when the CBC said, "Well, come up with a name," Roger Abbott actually uh, wanted. I think it was Roger. He wanted to call it the Beaver Follies. Okay, it's not bad. <laughs> I know. It's still, you know, it's like it's like wow. what is this music hall or what? You know, the Beaver Follies. And and then we decided that wasn't a good name. And then I can't remember who it was. But that the, around the time, <clears throat> Canada was the government was doing things. They were calling everything Canada, right? Like they were calling it uh, Statistics Canada, uh, Immigration Canada, Team Canada, Team Canada. Yeah, but everything, yeah, yeah. every government department right. was like Natural Resources Canada. Yeah. So uh, somebody said the uh, so we said well no somebody yeah somebody said well CBC we should call CBC would would be called because was we broadcast then we over the air right? right so somebody said CBC should be called Air Canada but the name's already taken right and then somebody else said no it should be called Farce Canada you know that would be yeah. more appropriate and then somebody said Farce Canada maybe we should co- combine the two and call it Air Farce because that's like you know well, there you yeah. go. so we call simple, it, yeah so we call it Royal Canadian Air Force and yeah. originally we used to get mail from viewers who would accuse us of mocking the Air Force oh my goodness <clears throat> because we were insulting our brave pilots from World War II I guess wow. there were a lot of people still around uh, luckily my father had been <clears throat> a pilot in, not a pilot he'd been a in the Air Force he was a navigator <clears throat> okay, and flew lots of flights so you had a legitimate uh, well so I would write back to them and say yeah. my father uh, was in the uh, Air Force <clears throat> and he always said. I'm sorry. I'm getting well, take, no, well, take a little break, uh, Don. We'll get a drink of water. But, uh, yeah, I remember those uh, days. And the other... Uh, my, my, I was going to say, my father said that he was in the real air farts. Okay, so you had it. No, that, so that shut everybody up. That's right. Good for you. Um, reason I bring this up, uh, we're just launching this podcast. And right now, we're literally just calling it um, uh, Brio.TV, the podcast. It's a terribly original name. So we're welcoming anyone out there who has a better idea to please uh, pitch away. Uh, people have suggested things like binge this or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll try and figure this out. But I guess uh, Jeff's society has been taken. So right. We won't, we won't. And you, you could always, you can't call it, you could call it uh, 
podcast feeds not no podcast doesn't feed my family yet. That's a great idea. Yeah, it used to be TV feeds my family. Luckily, my family grew up and have their own uh, income, and uh, thank God because I couldn't afford to feed them anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, and, and the other fellow I want to just mention here is uh, the late great Dave Broadfoot, mm-hmm. who would perform with you guys on right. many occasions. Absolutely, especially in the radio days. Yeah, he was part of the radio show for the first uh, fifteen years. And I, I said the first 15 years, it sounds like, for some people, it sounds like us a lifetime. Oh, it is. Not at Air Force. <laughs> no. The radio show ran 24 years. Well, we're just celebrating. <laughs> Yesterday was the 30th anniversary of The um, the Simpsons on TV, yeah. which is a wow. tremendous yeah. uh, monument. But you guys ran 16 years longer. <laughs> so, and, and Homer still looks great. He does. He does. He's uh, managed to hang in there and sound the same, uh, too. All those voices. Harry Shearer is 75. He's still doing Mr. Burns. He's now the age of Mr. Burns. He's still doing that voice. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so um, I wanted to ask uh, just a couple of uh, random questions. Uh, you know, do you binge watch TV? Are you like uh, many of us now who binges shows? Or? I'm, I'm not a big binger. My, my wife binge watches. Okay. Uh, um, I actually don't watch that much. Oh. It's, I know it sounds weird, but because uh, and, and I'm I busy a- making it. Well, and doing other things. I don't know. I, yeah. I like to read a lot still. But yeah. I, you know, um, but it's funny. Yeah, I have a list on my phone of you know, TV shows that I, I tend to watch. And <clears throat> it doesn't get any shorter. Because <laughs> right. I, I never knock any off. It just, I just yeah. add to it thinking, one day I'm going to take time to watch these things. Yeah. Uh, I haven't found the time yet. So I'm not a big binger. But I, do, I did watch with my wife. We did watch The uh, the Crown when that was around. Well, what, with the new one with Olivia Colman, the new season? Yeah, we, yeah. we watched the first. Pretty good. Season. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Got, it's, been, it's been not terribly well received in the U.K. Uh, well, from what I've read. very critical. I mean, uh, the, the queen looks like she just smelled something bad in every scene to me. Right. Or you just see the back of her head. The guys that look great are Philip and Charles. We, yes. We, yeah. Normally we think of these and guys. Anne. And Anne. And Anne. She looks pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, uh, quite a reversal in all of that. Um, so you're not much of a binger. No, I'm not. Did you watch kid uh, when you were a youngster? Uh, did, you, did, you, did you have a favorite children's show? Was there something that uh, you loved? Well, watch? when I was really small, there was not a lot to right. watch. And it was in black and white. Oh, I remember. Was, those are the days. But weird. Friendly Giant must have been on the air. Or? Yeah, although I kind of was a friendly giant i was a little too old for friendly giant uh, so i watched uh, there was a show done in toronto i think called maggie muggins oh yeah okay which uh, i watched there was a show in uh, uh, in quebec where i grew up right. in montreal, montreal called pepino and capucin okay which was a there was a kind of a, a puppet show it was, it was a bit like um you know what's the oh, English uh, one? You know the Kukla Fran and Ollie or something. No, it was oh, more little, Punch and Judy. A little, yeah. a little bit like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the characters was a uh, a, a criminal because he always had a he wore the stripe the horizontally striped black and white. Uh, okay, that gives prison uniform. That's a giveaway generally. Yeah, <laughs> and a funny hat. And he always uh, he, they did the show in both French and English, and in uh, yeah. they would say. Uh, uh, his favorite thing was he. Always, this guy always had a plot, and it, it, he'd always, at some point, when he explained what the plot was, how he was going to steal the apple from the other person. Yeah. This will be a pushover. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, funny. it always went awry. Yeah. Um, what else was there? There was this is a long time ago. This yeah. is television in its infancy. Well, I would watch uh, Friendly Giant. Then Chez Helene was the the fifteen minutes yeah. of, of French with a little Susie, the little mouse, and uh, right. Uh, you know, and then uh, growing <laughs> up right. in Toronto, a lot of Buffalo television, a lot of yeah. TV from WKBW. Yeah, see, we didn't have we uh, in in Montreal where I was. We had uh, we didn't get a lot of American television because we had an antenna on our roof. 
Oh, well, same here. Yeah, yeah which, that's which, how it worked. Which brought in, you know, Montreal, French and English TV. That was it was CBC, French, CBC, yeah. English. Yeah. Uh, in fact, remember, there was a great show uh, that people may have heard of called The the, the, the Pluff Family. Yes, yeah, family, yeah, yeah. Which, well, was a, which was a long big hit. running. Yeah. And you know that show, they used to do it in, uh, two nights in succession hmm. uh, in uh, Quebec, live. Yeah. Uh, and they would do it the first night in French. And the second night in English. Oh my God, that amazing! Same yeah. cast. Wow, it was well, amazing. But for a while there, you were doing a radio show and a TV show. Yes, that was insane. Same kind of schedule. You yeah. got two scripts for two different things. That's one, right. Yeah, amazing. That was, that was nuts. Um, now, and I always envied you. I think this opportunity to grow up in Montreal uh, and and at a time when Montreal was sort of the center of Canada. Wasn't right. It? Yeah. Uh, Expo uh, was, yeah. was such an enormous success. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys went to uh, Laval. Uh, no, 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 well, Concordia now. We was Loyola when Loyola I Loyola College at yeah, that time, right? Yeah, and, and it became part of uh, right. Concordia. So you and Roger Abbott were, yeah. were both together there as students. Yeah, and that's where you met. Uh, or yeah, we met. We met. We had each won a partial, a half scholarship to the high school because it was it was a, it was a private school. <laughs> right. Uh, we had each won a half scholarship to it, and so we met on the steps of La, uh, Loyola High School to get our picture taken for the local newspaper. Like all six, yeah. all six. There were three full scholarships and three partial. Wow. And uh, we did this to. Uh, uh, it was so that was we were both. Uh, I think we were thirteen years old. Wow! So did you go from September to January, and Roger went from <laughs> in half scholarships? Yeah. yeah. And another funny, and one of the other people who was in the, uh, also a scholarship winner, I believe. I have to check this out. But it was a classmate of ours. Was a fellow named Michael Cherney who just became a cardinal. Oh yes, and, and you went fact, to Rome. In fact, I went to Rome too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you were telling me this, and that you literally they have to be a bishop before they're a cardinal. That's right. So if you, you're if you're under eighty. Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> Yeah, if you're the over eighty, they just they just wave the old uh, <laughs> bishop right. thing. Uh, but, but but you saw him in is it in an investiture or well a, yeah he was a uh, um, yeah they call it you, you'll get ordained again as a as a bishop, bishop mm. and then you get elevated to cardinal oh okay. but it, it all happened in twenty four hours so uh, I got there on a Friday uh, around noon Friday afternoon at the Vatican uh, there was a ceremony he and uh, I think he was one of three or four people who be, who who became bishops wow. And then the next afternoon, in a slightly larger ceremony, he became a cardinal with some with maybe eight people or ten people. Uh, this is right in St. Peter's. Is right in the, right in the Basilica. St. Peter's goodness. Basilica. Wow, yeah. that's pretty it was cool. an amazing event. I mean, they can they can put the royal family to shame when it comes to putting on a show. Yeah, you know. they got a few bucks, I think. There's well, a, they got a lot of and they got a lot of rules. I mean, the fact, they, the really? fact, well, the fact that he had to become a bishop, you'd say, <laughs> wow. oh come on, he's going to be a cardinal, <laughs> right. on, You know, on Saturday, why do we have to go through this on Friday? <laughs> hey, but it's the way we do. Rules it. are rules. <laughs> <laughs> the CBC follows that same playbook, exactly. I think, pretty much. Um, well, very good. While we're talking about that, no, um, I wanted to yeah, just ask um, your thoughts, too. We want on this podcast to sort of uh, to have a conversation about where Canadian television is now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a talk of, or there's planning to uh, address the new Minister of Heritage, um, the uh, Canadian, uh, the, the Act, the Broadcast Act, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and this is an act that really, I don't know, maybe 1980 was the last time anybody... It was re- reviewed or something. Re- yeah, yeah, revised it. Yeah. You know, there was, TV was almost black and white. Like, yeah. it's, a lot of time has gone. Um and uh, desperately now, when we have uh, all these uh, streaming services jumping in, right. Netflix, why don't they pay tax? What's right. going on? 
So, why, and why don't why don't subscribers? Why don't we pay tax? Right. Yeah. That is nuts. It is nuts. I, I chased after Ted Sarandos from from Netflix, one mm-hmm. of the guys running it, mm-hmm. and asked him, and he said, "We're the biggest employer of animators in Canada." Like he basically was saying, "Well, we employ a lot of people, so yeah. why should we pay tax?" Yeah. Well, I mean, so does you know um, uh, Tim Hortons. You know, yeah, so does Tim Hortons <laughs> and you know the, the Canadian Tire. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, 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 they do this as well. Too. They still have to pay tax. Yeah. Uh, but if you thought about this, would you have a, an opportunity to to address this broadcast act? The people putting it together. Hmm? What would be your number one suggestion for them, and not a to well, go forward here. I would, I would certainly, I would do whatever I could to create more uh, Canadian production in Canada. Yeah. Like, I think it's fine to, to, like, I think it's great that that uh, Netflix is employing all kinds of animators. I think it's great that Toronto and Montreal are kind of big centers of, of right. animation. Uh, this is fabulous. I wouldn't want to interfere with that at all. I'd want to capitalize on it. Right. But I do think that they're the. You know, as long as we do that, uh, we are a service industry that is not a cultural industry. Right. And I think the, one of the big things missing in the Broadcasting Act that was there originally when it was created was the recognition that some kind of Canadian culture, whatever it is and whatever it turns out to be, should be at the center of this thing. Right. This is why it really exists. It's not... A, it's not it shouldn't just be about financial concerns. Right. It shouldn't just be about people have to pay tax or don't, don't pay tax. It should be that Canadians should should be making nowadays programming that is of interest to Canadians and it doesn't have to be blockbusters I mean, everybody would love to do Game of Thrones right. but how many are, uh, of those happen and there, you know, right. like there are like a, how yeah. many billion people on earth and we do one Game of Thrones so right. it's not like but or, that's what the expectation seems to be or even a show like Breaking Bad you know it yeah. doesn't have like uh, Vikings chasing each other and sh- but still that costs millions of dollars that's right. Week, right that's right so you can't really do that right but you can do uh, there's been a few shows Slings and Arrows I always cite as right. an example of a, mm-hmm. a drama here that right. from 20 years ago where they on a much smaller budget mm-hmm. managed to create a, a wonderful show yeah uh, yes absolutely and you know I've often in my own mind used things like um, some of the um, the Swedish or Danish or yeah. Scandinavian, I'll guess right. I'll call them, uh, productions. You know, the, the uh, Borgen was one. You know, the, yeah. the whoever thought there would be any interest in Danish politics. Right. But I know nothing about it, but it was riveting. It was yeah. so well done. Or if the shows from Ireland. Ireland is yeah. like four million people or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. Incredible. We can't keep claiming we're too small. That's right. You know? And one thing I wish, and this is getting away from the broadcasting, something I wish our public broadcaster would, would do yeah. is... The, the, turn out, make an effort to turn out the same the, the same quality of show, the same kind of show that they're able to turn out in Ireland and right. in Denmark. Yeah, and like, why not? Yeah, why not? And it's because, well, you, I've you know I've got this thing about public broadcasting, you know, right. and what it takes to succeed as a public broadcaster. What is? What are the things? There, there are three take? things you there's need. Three. Okay, there's three them. things. You need vision. Yeah. You need courage. And you need resources. Uh-huh. You can call that money. Right. You know, but you need those three things. Those are those those are the three things that work. Now I think it's possibly be a good a good public broadcaster with only two of those things. Right. I think you can have courage and vision. Yeah. You can have vision and dollars. You know. Right. But I, I think and I think. Uh, I, I feel bad saying this out loud in, you know, to a public. But oh, I th- please say it. I, I think CBC uh, lacks all three. Oh, my God. Huh? I think that, well, they lack money for yeah, sure. They yeah. don't have money. Yeah. I don't think the place has, has had the ability to say, who are we and what do we want to do? Because right. they, they're hemmed in by their resources. They right. keep thinking inside the box. Yes. You know, like the walls are all around us and what can we do? Yeah. And some of those walls are also political. Yeah, and they, they are. And they yeah. lack courage, not just in the sense of like taking a bold step in terms of their programming. 
they lack the guts to offend somebody because they're so sure they're going to get their asses whipped by some MP from Northern Ontario right. or from whatever yeah. who's going to stand up in yeah. Parliament and say, CBC's taxpayers' dollars wasting our money. Right. They're insulting the people of whatever. And, and to be fair to them, there's no other broadcaster in Canada that has to deal with that, right? I know. Yeah. So, I know. But so they, their hands are tied in some absolutely. ways. Absolutely. But you can still have vision. Right, you, you know, uh, well, so that that's the key thing for any broadcaster. And and in talking about this, let's make clear to folks: uh, there's no bitterness for you, you in terms of what's happening. Absolutely in not. Right. No, no, no. I'm. I mean, I'm totally grateful to CBC. Right. You know, for 46 years, CBC fed my family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, just 46. Oh, damn it, Don! What the hell? But we, I, you know, so I and I, we've always had a good relationship. CBC has tried. Uh, a couple of times to end our show. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they tried in radio, and they, they, you know, some some executive wanted to take us off the air because we didn't fit there. In radio? Yeah. On on the the what was then the Stereo Network FM. We were on AM and FM. Yeah. They wanted to take us off of Stereo because FM was all music. Right. And we were the only non-music thing on the network, and we were the highest rated show on the right, network. That's what really got him, sure. But no, but it, exactly. just, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. It gets, doesn't fit our programming. It's like, this is the kind of mentality you say, wait, no, wait a minute. We're going to put that show on, right. we're going to feature that show, and we're going to put our best music shows around it, right. and we're, and we're going to introduce people to what else we do. Well, would that they had had five or six of these sore thumbs, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Here's my thumb. Hit it with a hammer. Um, but, but, but even no, there was a point, I know, in talking to you, and uh, you you have a great book on the history of Air Force, mm. uh, Air Force, 40 Years of Flying by the Seat of Our Pants, that uh, you put out five or six years ago, yeah. I guess, um, where you can read all, of, all that history. But there was a point when you were courted by a, a rival uh, yes. uh, uh, private broadcaster. Yes, right? CTV came after us. It was, it was actually, I think, I mean, you, you, you know more about the history of these things in a way than I do, for sure, is that I think it was the only time I could remember where a, an entertainment program had been... Uh, uh, competed for by different networks in Canada. There was like a bidding, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, I thought, oh, this is this is a great sign, I thought, of things to come. I, I think thought, there was a big war for Little's Tobo, though. I mean, I think there was a... <laughs> that one came up as a jump ball there. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's Alpo was, was in there. <laughs> yeah, that that swung the deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, you know, because I can understand, you know, it's happened with hockey. You right. Know, they've, they've, yes. You know, they've done it. Um, sports are a big thing, but it was the first time, to my knowledge, that an entertainment program had been uh, yeah. competitively bid for. And um, I thought, oh, this is great. Finally, we're kind of maturing in that way, and that yeah. there are going to be more shows coming that are going to be uh, attractive to broadcasters, public and private, right. and that people will, and we're, this is the start of something great. Right. And, of course, it wasn't. Nothing. nothing that was there. 20 years ago, at least. Yeah, right? yeah. More. And nothing happened. Tell there, just right? briefly uh, this story, and you may be tired of me asking you this, but it's such a great story. You're, you're in agent court. You're at the offices of uh, CTV, CFTO, Baton mm-hmm. at the time, probably. Mm-hmm. Yvonne Fetsan is running the place, mm-hmm. and he's trying to woo you to come to CTV, to leave CBC, and finally be part of their uh, their uh, national network and uh, so you're in the room and uh, he makes his pitch and what happened just briefly uh, i think he took you to the window and tried to uh, sweeten the deal Was that- uh, you'll have to refresh my memory it's probably in the book right well, well <laughs> here's I pro- it is definitely okay. in the book. but here's my memory is he literally walked out it was you and roger probably mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if th- probably not the four of you right. at the time walked over to the window and pointed the parking lot and he mm-hmm. pointed to his uh brand new uh, uh, mercedes mercedes 
treaties yeah. and said, and if you sign, there'll be one of these for each of you. Right. Wasn't that the deal? Something like that, yes. Yeah. Well, another thing that happens when we were, when we were getting closer mm-hmm. is we had a meeting at Roger's house, and he took out, he had, uh, took out four checks for uh, 50 grand a piece as a signing bonus. Really? And so, with our names on them. Wow. And one for Roger, one for Don, one for Lubin, one for John. Put them on the table and said, well, guys, do we have a deal? And, it, we, and we ended up not doing it. But, I, wow. but Roger and I said, we're never going to tell John and Luba we turned it down. <laughs> oh my God. I guess not. That's amazing. Well, that's like here, here at the Humble and but, Fred but, Radio But studio. I want to say, yeah. Yvonne was a great friend of Airfars. He put us on the air at CBC. Yeah. And uh, I still see him occasionally. He's yeah. a terrific guy. He's, he, to me, in Canada, he's Mr. Television. He is. He knows more about producing good television yeah. and promoting and broadcasting good television than anybody I've met in Canada. Yeah. He's still in Canada. Right. Um, and he's also a decent human being. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it kind of broke our hearts that we didn't go with CTV. And it was really, it was logistics that ultimately did it. Right. Is that CBC had the physical plant downtown. Right. They had costumes. They had... They had a they big had, studio where you could perform, right? Yeah. yeah well, yeah, they yeah. also had a carpentry shop at the time. They had a yeah. carpentry shop, yeah. a paint shop. Yeah. And if we had gone to CTV, we would have been... We would, we would have had to actually rent trucks right. to bring stuff from because we'd have been renting it all from right. CBC yeah. and bringing it up to Agent Court. Right, and it was like you know we really want to be with you guys, but it's just going to be such a, a logistical nightmare to do the show because the show you know we taped it on a Thursday night yeah. and aired it on Friday, and on Monday is when we saw the script. So we we had Monday to Thursday to. To, to, to actually make this whole, we had to, to build the whole show, to build the miracle. sets, to paint yeah. them, to get the costumes, the wardrobe, yeah. everything. You're doing what Saturday Night Live does, but yes. with probably a hundred less people, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. No it's a huge undertaking. And we should mention uh, Von Fetzan now, the executive producer of Kim's Convenience. That's right. Great success. And yeah. He's certainly helped make that a, a huge hit as well. And a lovely guy and somebody I'd love to get here and to talk oh. on. And maybe he can give me the other side of that story. And he'll say, no, we pointed at some Volkswagen. <laughs> and we were just saying we can give you a ride home. Yeah. We'll get the rest of that story. Yeah. Uh, well, very good. Uh, I guess uh, one thing I wanted to ask, too, is um, your perspective on comedy today. Um, I mean, I know you don't watch a lot of television, uh, but you're a producer. You mm-hmm. have your own production company. Right. You're scouting uh, comedians mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, where do you see it going in Canada in terms of stand-up and performance? Do, do they, I mean, there's shows like Baroness Von Sketch right. on CBC. Yeah. Um, but uh, is there a trend that you're uh, looking forward to or a particular act? Um, I, could, I would say there's nothing I'm really looking forward to. Not because I don't want to see some, some good stuff. Uh, it's just I find these things impossible to predict. You know, there's, somebody said years ago, one of the most difficult things about predictions is they all take place in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There is that wrinkle. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, it's very hard to know. I I know that the actual uh, there's I know there's a ton of talent here. Yeah. What I you know I, I years ago when we had videotape, I used to say to people, you know, why do we ex- why do we export our talent to the United States to yeah. Los Angeles? Why don't we keep them here and export videotape? You know, and this, I feel the same yeah. way now about the, about it as I did then. I mean, why do people have to go elsewhere for right. the opportunity? I mean, yeah. especially it's easier than ever now. Right. I mean, with the internet. I yes. Mean, you know, why why don't we keep people here and say this is? I'm going to get back now to that thing about CBC and Vision. Yes. Like, what is? Why isn't there not somebody at CBC uh, who would say, you know what? I want a budget of 
six million dollars or eight million dollars, right. and I'm going to hire a couple of writers or three or four writers, and we're going to sit in a room, and it's going to take us a year, and we're going to come up with a show that is so fantastic that we are going to make that it's going to be it'll be famous all over the world. This great show. You know, why do, but nobody will take that. That's a the, lack of courage the, and lack of resources. But Denmark does it, for Christ's sake. Right. You right. Know? No. That's a, wow. I mean, and, and I, so it, I, it's doubtful that conversation has ever taken place. Is that uh, or ever will take place. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, well. but back to comedy. I yeah. think in comedy, my, my, my take is we've got all this, this talent here. What does it actually take to, for all these you know, the strings to pull all this together? And you always hear the same thing. Well, it's because... The center of the universe is Los Angeles, which it is. Yeah, you know, but the, but you, there's no, but there's more than one center to this universe. Right, and uh, I, um, you know, the younger people or new emerging talent are spending more and more time doing streaming stuff for the internet. But you're right. throwing stuff, throwing stuff up. Some of it's very good. Yeah, and it's on YouTube or whatever. But the problem is, well, there's no next step. Right, yeah. there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. You know, you don't get a TV show out of it. No. Uh, you don't get a... Um, yeah, you think you, you, you could. Why not? You well, know, like, uh, there are these folks who have this uh, opportunity to, to get uh, a million followers. Why wouldn't a broadcaster want to try and develop that, you know? Yeah, well, again, it's money, I guess. You know, the, the biggest problem is if you can buy a, a hit show from Made in the States right. for $100,000 an episode, right. why would you spend uh, even... A million. A million dollars... That with no guarantee that it'll be a success. Because you can now sell that worldwide. Yeah. But there actually are reasons to do that, and Canada has to make that decision. I agree because with you. In a, in a, now the U.S. broadcasters, instead of making 30 years shows a year, they're coming out with 15 because they're closing their books down because of their busy stock of Warners and Disney right. and all their other. Yeah. So they went down there, they didn't have anything to buy this year, so they're yeah. plugging holes. So they yeah. need to have stuff where they're not at the mercy of, uh, that's another conversation. Well, well, we'll have that one next time. Next time. I've got, I've got more to say on that. All right, before you go, but uh, just talking about all of this, there must have been a, a point in your career where you were tempted to go to the States. Yes. And, and, and when ha- when did that happen? And well, when- that happened uh, many years ago. That was when Roger Abbott and I were actually down in Los Angeles. We had a contact down there, um, somebody, uh, and we we got we were in i can't remember it was it must have been the late 70s mm-hmm. or early 80s and um we were doing air farts on radio at the time only right. radio only not tv and we had a meeting with stan daniels who was a stan know, daniels yeah. yeah he did uh several uh, several uh, several sitcom. he were he, he all, i think he worked on mary tyler moore he was part of that group of people the uh, it, was, it was him and Th- thomas i think had a golden i may have the wrong yeah. guy but anyway yeah, absolutely yeah. one but of the anyway he they were starting up a new show and they were looking for writers and yeah. Raj and i went in and talked to him and we got to know him because we had actually met one of his children and said Go wow. and see my dad. Yeah, and we had a good talk, and he said, "Yeah, like you can." So he and he was starting a new show, and wanted writers, and uh, basically we left the meeting th- knowing that like we had a job yeah. if we wanted it. Yeah, uh, the show was going to be called Taxi. <laughs> wow! Yeah. And so we went back to the our little you know this little courtyard motel that everybody goes stays at when they're in Los yeah. Angeles, you know, around a pool. Yeah, and we sat and we were like being pretty pumped. And uh, we said, well, this is fantastic. And then we thought about it some more, and we talked about it. And then we said, but, you know, we'd have to give up Air Force, like, because we couldn't do both. Yeah. And uh, just around that time, we had we had done a show somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was in Saskatchewan. And so we met a doctor. Yes, a doctor. It was an East Indian origin, a doctor and his, his, and his wife and two kids. Yeah. And they lived, we were in Regina, and they lived something like 400 miles away or something. And they had driven all the way to Regina to see the show 
this is when we were on radio, and yeah. they were going to drive back the, the next day. And uh, I had said to, the, to uh, uh, our producer at the time, I said, if I ever think of quitting air fires, remind me of this moment. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're there in Los Angeles. And, we're, and, I, and the, this came up. And I, so I, and I said, you know what? And Roger, we both arrived at the same conclusion at the same time, is that we cannot walk away from radio, from air fires on radio. Wow, wow. And look what happened 46 years later. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's uh, probably a good place to say it. Although, if you, you know, you're still, do you still plan to produce television? What, what, what is your... Yeah, we're, we're doing a, a little thing called Second Gen now. We're doing another oh, six of those. Oh, of course. Those. Yeah, yeah, that's a great show. Six more of those. Uh, and, and maybe instead of Taxi, which you had that opportunity, you could come up with Uber. Uber, that's right. <laughs> Let's do a spin on that. Well, Don, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking be so generous with your time. Uh, are you, do you planning a, um, a screening party? Are you guys going to gather to watch this episode? I don't, I don't think so. No? Uh, well, you know. Dakota Luba's house, some pierogies, perhaps, and <laughs> stuff like but that. But we we I think what we are going to do is we're going to try and get to get the... I don't know how many people to do this, but to get the, everybody together in January for a kind of a goodbye party. Oh, awesome. At least, because even shooting this thing we did, because of the budget was so low, we couldn't get all the cast on the same day in the same place. <laughs> so you haven't gathered yet. We haven't gathered yet. Wow. But Jessica woke up one day and then yeah, uh, that's Craig. Right. Yeah. Craig had, what, 20 years on the show? How long uh, is I think he's, he's close to that. He's maybe 18. Something that, and, and Jessica as well. She's, she's about the same. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah. Incredible, eh? To yeah. think that uh, these are the new kids. I know. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Well, congrats. And I'm dying. Looking forward to seeing it. I'm so uh, grateful for you to come in today. And My pleasure. Thank you for sharing these stories. And we'll hope to do this again soon. I'm, uh, anytime. Thanks a lot, Tom. As you know, I have trouble not talking. Oh, well, that's a good <laughs> eyeball. I, I think Phil's running on a tape if they still use that. Thank you very much. Okay. You don't never be from no